welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in South Carolina. For more information about the Radiant, RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew, and I'm the lead pastor, and we are so glad you can join us today from wherever you're watching or listening. If this is your first time joining us, head to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm New. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits listed right on that form. Now, in fact, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, do me a favor, too. Go ahead and just type in the comments for us. Let us know what you're watching, and we'll make sure that we pray for you this week specifically just for you. We love knowing he was watching and engaging with us from wherever they happen to be at. So we've been having some talks over the last few weeks about staying positive. It is really tough to stay positive in a negative world like the one that we're in, right? But if we want to serve God well, and if we want to stand out in a negative world, we have to make sure that we stay positive. Now, staying positive means that we bring hope and peace and joy to other people's lives. And that's why we said in week one, hey, enough of the bad news. We're over it, man. Like, we're going to embrace God's promise from Romans chapter 8, that He's working everything out for the future good of those who love Him and serve Him. And then we learn what the core for complaining is. Like, we, you know, have a little gratitude in your life, right? Get some gratitude in you, and you'll have peace. That gratitude is the gateway to peace, we learn. It can take that anxiety and stress you're struggling with, which really leads to a lot of complaining, and eliminate that from your life. And we also found, in week number 3, that our confidence needs to be built up not in ourselves, but in God. God is for you, all right? He's for you. He's helping you. He's still working in you. And because you can have confidence in God, you need to live encouraged, which brings us to last week. Now, last week we talked about being a voice of encouragement to other people, lifting them up. And whenever you struggle, remind yourself of who God is and what God sees in you, right? That'll build your confidence up in the Lord, and that will encourage you every time and help you to be a voice of encouragement to people around you. But what do you do? when you feel like you have nothing left in the tank. You know, what do you do when you feel like all your passion is gone? Isn't it amazing how we can be really excited and passionate about something at first, and then over time, that passion will wane, and we either lose interest or view whatever it was we're passionate about as a job or a chore or something I have to do instead of something I get to do, right? We all have stories that we could share of being passionate about something, and then we just lost interest over time for different reasons, of course. And that's not normal. But one area of our lives that we never want to lose passion in is our spiritual lives. I've had pastors and missionary friends who walked away from ministry because they lost their passion. You know, teaching, leading in worship, organizing a church or a missions agency, it all became work for them. It became something that had to be done, right? But it wasn't fulfilling or enjoyable. And there was a correlation uh, for many of them losing a passion for the ministry they were in and then losing passion in their spiritual life with Christ. Now, you don't have to be in ministry to lose your passion in that area. Maybe you're here today and, and you just kind of feel like you've lost a step or two in your spiritual journey, uh, you feel that God isn't as near as He used to be, right? You're, you're losing the excitement and the enthusiasm about what God is doing in your life or your family's lives or maybe even in the church you know, that you're, you're a part of. And it's not like you, you, you want to be here, right? I mean, the truth is you're not revved up for what God's doing and you don't really enjoy not having that passion. It's just sort of like the whole home experience for you. And this message today is just for you. I, mean, I want you to hone in if that's you 
you of what we're going to talk about here today. Because there's two types of people in our world. There are those who let circumstances influence their lives and influence the level of enthusiasm they have. And there are those who use their enthusiasm to influence the circumstances around them. So in other words, you're either letting what's happening around you influence your perspective or you're letting your perspective influence all that's happening around you. So let me explain this for a moment and why it matters, okay? At its core, enthusiasm actually means to be inspired or filled by God. True spiritual enthusiasm, it's not something you work up. It's a product of your environment. It stems from your heart and time with God. It's born in the presence of God by the power of God. So check this out from Paul. He writes this to the letter to the, uh, the, the Christians in Corinth. He says this, the 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know nothing you do. Check that out out, for the Lord is ever useless. You know what's so great about this statement from Paul? It's not what you do which makes your work meaningful, it's who you do it for, right? So it's all about the intent, it's all about the heart of what you're doing and who you're serving. So I want to show you an example from the Old Testament of someone who served with a lot of passion, with a lot of enthusiasm for the Lord. Now his name is David. Now many of you I'm sure have heard the story of David and you know it, but in case you're not familiar with that story, this is the same guy who as a teenager, probably between 15, 17 years old, he runs out onto the battlefield to stare down this giant called Goliath. Now, here's what's happened. Uh, the Philistine army marches out to face Israel. So Israel had been a vassal state. They had to pay tribute to Philistia every single year. And to keep Israel in check, the Philistines did not allow anybody in Israel to have iron weapons. Only the king and some of the nobility had swords, right? So the rest of Israel, they're fighting with clubs, and javelins and slingshots, that kind of thing. The Philistine army has iron chariots and swords and spears and arrows with iron tips and battle armor. So, so how do you like your odds if you're a member of the Israelite army? They're not very good, right? Now, the reason Goliath comes out in the fight is because in the ancient world, it was common to have like one-on-one -on -one single combat instead of fighting a huge bloody battle. That way, one man would die instead of hundreds or thousands of people. So if you've ever seen the movie Troy, there's a great illustration of this uh, in the beginning of the movie. Achilles comes out to defeat his challenger from another Greek army. And, uh, and when Achilles gets the victory, the other army surrenders, okay? And that's why you did single-hand combat like that. Now, the problem here is that Nobody wants to face Goliath. He's towering over everybody. He's this massive man. And uh, David comes on the scene. And he's bringing cheese sandwiches. Actually, he, bread and cheese is what he's bringing. And he brings these sandwiches up, and he hears about Goliath's challenge, and he decides, hey, I'll step up. I'll do it. Listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. He says to Goliath now, okay, you come at me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I'll kill you and cut off your head and then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. Now you bet the world's going to know man because that's a one-sided battle. Remember that? It's pretty one-sided here. So where did David get all the bravado? Like where did he get his enthusiasm from? Well it wasn't from himself. Notice that he brings it all back to God. He makes it really clear that it's God who's been insulted and threatened and it's God who will avenge his own name and reputation right here. This is raw spiritual enthusiasm born out of time with God himself. But where did David get it from? There had to have been others in the army who spent time with God too, right? But they didn't have what David had. So where did he get that kind of spiritual passion and enthusiasm from? 
Let me give you three really quick thoughts about where David's enthusiasm came from, okay? First, David trusted God daily, right? How could David fight a giant? Well, because earlier in his days, he trusted God to care not only for his sheep, but also himself. Whenever a bear or a lion would come along looking for some lamb chops, man, he, David didn't have anything but a club and bare hands, and he would trust God in those vulnerable moments to give him a victory. And in those vulnerable small battles that he won and trusted God in, it prepared him for the day he would have a big moment when a lot more was on the line. Here's a second thought. He walked with God daily. This is the guy who penned the words, the Lord is my shepherd. I've got all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'm not going to be afraid because you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff are going to comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows of blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now listen, you don't write those words if you have not experienced a daily walk with God where His presence is strong and surrounds you and is with you wherever you go, right? And here's the third thought right here, number three. Finally, he worshipped God daily. Many of the Psalms are worshipful songs written by David. When he played the harp, the worship was so strong it caused darkness to flee, right? He's the guy who was so excited to worship the Lord at times and get a little bit too crazy. He, he danced in worship whether he had clothes on or not, which I'm not encouraging to dance naked. I'm just saying that David would do that sort of thing from time to time, okay? And it wasn't like a once a week drive across town to church to worship. It wasn't just a click to watch a message online or a five minute session with Spotify. David had a way of, of life that was all surrounded with worship. He had a deep passion for worship. See, there's two seasons in David's life. There's one where he had all the passion we're talking about right now, the younger, before he was king season that we just highlighted here, okay? And there's another season where he lost it. It's the now I'm king season. And if you kind of fast forward a little bit in his life, you come across another famous story from David. This time it's in 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read that when the kings normally go out to war, David stayed home. So the first mistake is he wasn't where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to do. And he climbs up to the rooftop patio and he sees something he's really not supposed to see and it leads to something he's not supposed to do and it costs a lot of people to lose something they should never have lost. And I'm talking about the story here of, of David and Bathsheba and we'll come back to that story on another day. But it all started when David stopped spending time with God daily. All right, say, so Pastor, how do you know that? Well, there's a clear difference between who David was when he was younger and who David is now that he's older and king. As a kid, he ran to the battle with passion to serve God. In the later years as king, he was more apathetic and served his own comfort. So my question for you today is, which one best describes you? Which best represents you? Are you full of passion for the things of God, that spiritual enthusiasm man that originates in him, knowing that whatever you do has purpose and value because it's not about the what, it's about the who, right? Or do you find yourself spiritually comfortable and complacent? Which one represents you? Are you charging into the battlefield knowing that God's with you? He's beside you. He's got you. You've got divine purpose to carry out every day. Or have it drifted a little bit into apathy? I've noticed over the years that no matter what's going on in our world, 2020 or not, man, that most people fall into one of those two categories. Either you're walking with God daily and you're worshiping God daily and you're trusting God daily and growing daily and you're feeling that God's presence is around you every day. Or 
here's the other thing, or you, you are losing it, right? You're losing it. You're in a group of people who are consisted with no discipline in their lives, who are not making the right decisions, who are making poor choices, who are complacent, who are full of self-righteous or prideful type attitudes, right? You're filled with fear and doubt and, and, and rebellious type attitudes and poor habits and all those types of things, which lead to destructive life cycles that begin to emerge and actually begin to settle into your life. And maybe that's you today. I'm not sure, but maybe that's you. And maybe you found yourself asking, all right, well, how, how did I get here? You know? uh, where, where did the passion I, I had once, you know, where, where, where did that go? Where did my purpose go? Maybe you had it and you realize today that you've lost it. There's a prophet named Nathan who confronted David at the peak moment where he loses it. And David realized in that moment that he had lost the passion he once had. And he writes one of the most powerful poetic songs in all of Scripture. It's Psalm 51. Here's just a little snippet of it. Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Man, make me willing to obey you. So what do you do when you lose what you had? Well, you refill, you renew, and you restore. You go back to what you did before. Jesus tells the Ephesian churches in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, He says this, He goes, hey, you don't love me or each other. That's key too. I just did it first. Look at how far you've fallen, man. Turn back to me and do the first things you did. Hey, the Ephesian churches were the model churches. I don't know if you knew that or not. But they knew how to do church really well. They knew the teachings. They knew how to live for God. Uh, we'd look at that kind of church today, and we'd say, wow. They know how to make disciples. They know how to do missions really well. They love to serve their community, and they're involved in their community. Their facilities are immaculate. Look how great their facilities are. They have organized everything so well. They're the package deal. But they did not have a love for God or each other. Listen to me carefully. I think there are those of you listening and watching today, you fit that bill. You stake your claim maybe on a heritage. You stake your claim on a church building. You stake your claim on all the scriptures you know or all the ways you do church or the prayers you pray. But your heart, man, is really not with God. It's with the idea of church, right? But your heart's not truly for other people. It's for your own standing in the church world you're in. Your passion's not for God. It's not for others. It's for a building. It's for an idea. But it's not for or God or the people. Your heart's not in it. And you know what, man? If that's you, you need to get your passion back. You need to get your passion back. You need to return to your love for God and for others. Consider how far you might have fallen if that's you today. And make some changes. Change what you're doing. Change how you're thinking. Change how you're living. Embrace that love for God and people that you first had all over again. So what do you do? Well, you walk in God's presence daily. You trust in God's goodness daily. You worship God daily. Don't do it out of duty. Do it out of love. There are two types of people we set at the start today. Those who let circumstances, anxiety, fear, and pride, that kind of thing, influence their heart's posture. And those who let their spiritual enthusiasm, what's born out of time in God's presence, influence their environment and what's around them. There are people who walk with God and grow with God. And there are those who've just lost it. I don't know which type you are. But if you've lost it, 
I get it. I can relate to you. You know why? Because I've, I've been there, man. I've been there. And if I'm honest with you, I struggle sometimes still not to lose it. It's not like being a pastor makes me super holy and immune and that kind of thing. Being a pastor makes the struggle harder, actually. It makes the challenge greater. And I don't always measure up. So what do I do? Well, actually, I go back to the moment in college. I was at the University of South Carolina where, where God's Spirit dwells, right? Where my Gamecock's at. All right. But I go back to that. And I go back to the spring morning in my room where I made the decision to go all in for Christ. And I go back to the words and promises that God has spoken over my life, my family's lives, and I remember who God is, and I remember who I serve, and I realize everything I'm doing has an eternal purpose and value because it's not about the what, it's about the who. And I'm doing everything for the Lord. And so I trust God, and I walk with God, and I worship God each and every day. And so whether you're serving and no one sees it, or you're worshiping and nobody knows it, do it for God. But even more important, do it from your time with God, right? From God's presence. Don't let all the outside stuff determine what happens in your life. Let everything God's doing in your heart determine what happens on the outside. And I'll tell you this too today, all right? Uh, whatever God's doing inside of your heart, you can stay positive in a negative world if you will let what God's doing inside of your heart determine what is happening in your life and what is around you. And when you begin to do that, there are opportunities that will come your way to make an impact for God and God's kingdom. And you'll be able to take advantage of those opportunities by your staying positive and speak life to people. And guess what's going to happen? You'll be able to tell them, I don't let my circumstances dictate what happens to me. I am staying positive in the Lord, right? I am staying positive in the Lord and He determines what happens in my life, what happens in my circumstances here today, all right? Let me do something for you here uh, today. Let me pray for you wherever you happen to be. Maybe you're watching or listening wherever you're at right now. You just say, Pastor, I have passion and I want to get it back. I want to get my passion back. I want to get that enthusiasm back. What do I do? Well, we just talked about it here this morning. We got to make sure that we get some things straightened out in our lives. We got to make sure that we are walking with God daily, that we're trusting God daily, and then we're worshiping God daily. And so I want to pray for you wherever you're at here today that you'll do those three things and that your passion will get restored and get back and that you'll be a voice of positivity and hope and peace and passion for the Lord wherever you happen to be here today. So Father, I love you, man. I thank you for the folks who are watching and listening here today. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.